Stop Punishing Yourself, the only podcast that teaches neurodivergent Alaskans prone to anxiety and depression how to stop feeling like victims to their brains and start feeling empowered by them. I'm your host and neurospicy life coach, Alicia Turner, and I promise to take you from codependent and insecure to independent and unstoppable using the spiritual art and science of coaching. If you're ready to fully reverse the harmful wiring that's living rent-free all up in your brain, then let's get started. Hello, my fellow earthlings. Do you meditate? I started meditating in 2017, 2018. I had the Sam Harris, I think his name is, app, and I would have like a hundred day streaks of like getting in a 10 minute meditation every day. And they were guided. He would walk you through the purpose of it. And I would read a ton of books about it. And I have to attribute a lot of my, my growth, my processing out old emotions, my willingness to take risks and take control of my life to meditation. Now you want to know what's funny guys. The last couple years when When I got certified, I'd say I I was still meditating. Um, But right when I started my business, I stopped. I got really stressed. And I was like, oh, I don't have time for that. Right? That's what our brains say when we need meditation the most. It's like, no, 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 no. I got my trauma responses. We're good, bro. We can just feel panic and all of our problems will be solved by the panic. No, panic makes things worse. (laughs) Makes things worse. I said my words weird. So anyway, Uh, I hit a low in January. I was feeling really like defeated, even though this is the ironic part, guys. My circumstances are like what I want them to be. I'm like getting new clients in. I'm doing all right. It doesn't matter that everything outside of me is going well, because what determines my experience are my thoughts. And so I'm literally just like I have a Hail Mary moment of like, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep feeling the panic. So my solution is to meditate. And guess how the tides change so fast when I started doing like 20, 30 minute meditations more often. I'm like a new human. I'm back in that practice that I had began a few years ago and I'm picking up that momentum again. I'm like, oh, this is why I did that. Oh, it's so useful to feel into your body, to be in that stillness, to just slow down enough for yourself to communicate like, hey, there's nothing serious going on here. Like we have time to slow down and just experience right where we are without rushing to the next thing, worrying about the next thing, fearing the next thing. It just turns all that down and turns your presence up. So if you don't meditate, check it out. After a meditation the other day, I just like this thing fell into my brain. I call it channeling, you know, whatever wisdom from the divine. We are holy in our spiritual aspect. And so it was this whole thing about the science of a thought form. And this poured out of me. I don't know where it came from, but I'm going to share some of it with you. And I want to, in the future, make it a course. Um, like a little mini course, because here's the thing. If you're in the coaching world, hearing the words thoughts cause feelings is going to be said a lot, but to the lay person who, who maybe hasn't read a ton of self-help books or learned much about thought work themselves, that's going to be like, okay. And 
like it's not going to land the way we intend it to land. So I wanted to break down this one sentence, thoughts cause feelings, and share with you today the science of a thought form. We're going to dissect it. I want you to imagine a thought as like a physical raindrop, and we are going to collect it on a sample and put it under the most giant micro, what's it, what are they called? Um, tel- no, telescope is for big things um, or far away things. Microscope. Microscope. Okay. Wow. That was really hard for me to think of. Um, the biggest microscope that can like, we're dissecting a thought form today. Okay. So there's four aspects to a thought. You probably didn't think of there was that many, but stay with me. We're going to blaze through this shit. So blaze the weed up then. Uh, two of those aspects are conscious to our subconscious. I'm going to break this down. So I want you to actually think of like a physical thing on a slide under a microphone where we're looking at it. We're zoomed in and you can make it a circle, an oval, a teardrop. Just picture a shape in your brain. It's a thought, one single thought. And we're looking at it. So the four parts of this thought are word forms, expressions, belief, and truth. So stay with me here. The two parts of the thought form that are conscious are the word forms and the expressions. The two parts that are subconscious are the belief and truth. So let me tell you about word forms. This is the part of the thought That is the sounds and the symbols. So we have language, right? Language is cool, but I want you to know what language actually is. It's sounds and written symbols that we apply meaning to, but are actually meaningless. Okay. So I want you to think of that, about that, right? A a deaf person born without any language, they can see symbols, but do you notice how they don't use seeing symbols they use braille they use feeling with their body because they're not hearing the actual sounds or or reading the symbols they're feeling to communicate so that's just an interesting thing to look at but for people who are not deaf or blind we have sounds that are coming out of our mouth like who decided that chorus means chorus like what chorus chorus who decided that like it will mind fuck your brain if you get too stuck in this so we'll not stay there all day but word forms are conscious you can hear them they go in your eyes in your ears and then your brain interprets them but I want you to see at their core they are meaningless sounds and symbols that we have decided and agreed upon mean something that does not actually mean they're meaningful This is the conscious part of a thought. The other conscious part of the thought is the expression. So I want you to think of this as like your eyes, your body language, your hand gestures. And these things have distorted meaning. Again, it is meaningless if I flail my arms around right now and, and, you know, touch my toes. It doesn't mean anything. But what happens, again, with language, with communication we learn from our socialization, the social factor, is we can have distorted meaning. Say, if someone with their eyes rolls them after you say something, we go, oh, we think it means something. We, oh, did, we, did I offend them? Do they hate me? Did I do something wrong? Or if someone, you know, flips you off, their middle finger, you know, you'll probably 
be like, oh, and then you'll feel angry and then you'll feel frustrated at that person. Oh, they're so mean, right? It's distorted meaning. You're taking what they're doing with their body, which is neutral and meaningless, and you are distorting that meaning, assuming and applying meaning. And again, we're all deciding and agreeing upon what something like the middle finger means. So I hope you guys are staying with me. Both of these things, word forms and expressions, there is... They're usually used for survival. So I want you to look at it through a fear-based lens of survival. That's what survival is. It's a fear-based lens of living. So to survive, to evolve uh, as humans on this planet, to live through winters and, and you know famines, we did have to use this fear-based lens to survive, but now it's no longer serving us. So we really did communicate just through a conscious level just because we didn't have enough time, space, energy to focus on the subconscious. So we just use words. Hey, I'll trade you that cow for these six loaves of bread. I don't think that's an even exchange, but we traded and bartered, right? We hunted, we got, okay, those berries over there are poisonous. We said those words, but probably sounded very different back then, um, to communicate, okay, blah, blah, blah. But the words themselves were meaningless, right? But we had to use it for communication. So this is all conscious and it's all driven by fear. Now I want to take you to the subconscious because I think a lot of you think your conscious mind is your subconscious and then you're very, very confused and very, very stuck because you're not actually aware of what your subconscious mind is. So subconscious, the two parts are belief and truth. Belief is your experience. It's every aspect of your experience. It's not what you're thinking. It's not the words you're saying. It's not what the bodies around you are doing or the what your body's doing. It's like this spirit combined with your body. It's the awareness you're here. It's the, the observer of your life, right? When you pause between a sentence and there's silence there, you are that silence watching. I don't want to freak you out too much, but you are not the words you're thinking. You're being thought in this experience and you're watching the experience. That's where belief comes from. It comes from this combined ability to choose meaning. So now we have more space, more resources, more food, more energy. We're not so worried about survival now. We've created all this energy and space to focus on our experience. And we've also learned, oh, if someone says these words to me, like you ain't shit, right? I don't have to take that meaningless sentence, those meaningless sounds and internalize them and give them control over me. In belief, we have control. So we can decide, okay, you said these neutral, meaningless words to me. I get to decide what I make that mean. In fact, I might decide, oh, that means what I'm doing is working. Like you, you are trying to stop me. You're feeling scared of me. It means I'm working. Great. Thank you. I'm succeeding, right? Look at how I like consciously decided that because I brought the unconscious conscious, right? I used my experience. Maybe I felt some fear. Maybe I felt some shame. I experienced it. I watched it. I let it process. And then I had space to be like, okay, well, if someone says I'm not shit, like I get to decide what that means. I don't have to just buy it. Like, like I don't have a choice. I have a choice in the meaning I apply to. So do you get what I mean? We've gone from no meaning, distorted meaning to choice of meaning. And the final part of the subconscious is truth. And truth, 
the sad part of it is, is hidden from most people. Truth is the loveliest, kindest, most peaceful thing to encounter. And most people are caught up and stuck in word forms and expressions because they're attaching to these meaningless things. Down in the land of truth, this is where our thoughts line up with reality, where we have no resistance to what is. This is kind of what it means to be like a Buddhist or a monk, right? Or to be like what Jesus was. This is everything the Bible was talking about was not sinning means you don't do bad things like lying and cheating. No, that's not what he was saying, guys. I'm sorry if this triggers you. He was saying your perception aligns with reality and to sin means you have a distorted perception and it just means you miss the mark. That's the actual translation of sin. It comes from the archery and it means you've missed the mark. So sinning is not a problem. It's not an action you take. It's a mental perception that's distorted, not aligned with truth. This might be a lot, but I don't really give a fuck. If you're listening to this, you've got to have some level of philosophical genius in there that I want to extract. Okay. This is also the place where we're at the highest level of creation. This is where we have the most control over how we influence our reality. Up there in word forms and expressions, we're letting reality influence us, just knock us off our, our, you know, tightrope. We're letting reality, neutral things outside of us, control how we feel. We're totally helpless there. We're a victim there. Down here in the realm of belief and truth, Our energy influences people outside of us. We become bigger, more than what's happening outside of us because we are so aligned within with truth. And so we know at this level, at the truth level of the subconscious, everything has no meaning. And at the same time, simultaneously, we can apply the highest meaning right? So I want you to see the nuance there. We go from no meaning to choice of meaning to everything means nothing. And it is, it feels so meaningful to be aware of that. This shit is advanced. So if you can keep up with me, uh, I got to buy you a drink. I want to buy you a coffee. I want to like kiss your mouth. Let's hang out. I need someone to mastermind with. Okay. So now that the hard part's out of the way, I'm going to give you four examples and then I'm going to give you a couple last thoughts because we're going to wrap up here. So clap your hands. Does clapping your hands have any meaning? Well, if you really get to the bottom of it, no, it means nothing. But since we're socialized and we have a language to To the average person, clapping your hands means applause, right? It means praise, approval, well done. But the experience of that meaning of clapping your hands, right? Say someone's clapping their hands at you. We want to take it a level further. And I'm reading my notes here. That's why I'm kind of pausing because I... everything from this point on, I was not reading my notes. Um, so the experience of the meaning combines that meaningless body form. So the hands actually touching together, making a meaningless sound with your spirit, right? Your energy is aware that you're having this experience of praise. You're receiving praise. You're aware of it. 
but the clapping itself is meaningless. That might've been a little confusing. I could probably word that better, but I'm going to move on anyway. Now let's go with the word air, air, air. Does that word have any meaning? Again, if you get to the bottom, bottom of it, no, it's just a weird, funny sound. Air, air, air. But we're socialized with language that has attached to that sound, air, that it means the chemical element, oxygen, zero eight. It's Earth's most abundant element. That's what that word means. The word air is made up, but now we apply it to something to, to agree upon what it represents. It's labeled and it's experienced as real from that point on. That thought form, that word air becomes real, but its meaning is a little distorted. It's just a sound right? And it's not actually representative of the oxygen, the element that's more factual. So it's a little bit distorted. Do you see what I mean there? So we're going from no meaning clapping, distorted meaning air. And now we're going to go to this. So imagine I'm like on the floor and I curl up my body into a really tight ball. Does that mean anything when I do that? Well, ultimately, no, it doesn't mean anything. It's a body. It's a skeleton contracting into itself. But it could also mean that I'm tired. It could mean I'm afraid and hiding some from something. It could mean I'm playing a game, hide and seek maybe, totally different than fear, having fun. It could mean I'm protecting myself from being hit. It could mean I'm being funny and silly and trying to make people laugh. It could mean an infinite number of things, but the thing itself curling up into a ball is meaningless. So it's the experience that makes it meaningful, right? It's the experience, your awareness of what you're doing that brings you closer to that subconscious, right? We're now seeing, oh, this could mean infinite number of things. I'm aware of it. And what am I choosing to apply to this action? So the curling the body up into a ball is a choice of your thought, not an effect of the reality around you. So your energy in this experience is is what determines what you're believing. Do you get what I mean? The body itself doesn't mean anything, but what are you applying meaning to in that moment? That's what makes it a belief. Your energy behind it makes it a belief. So the belief can also change at any time. This is why we need to know the science, all the working parts of a thought to change beliefs. It can be so difficult because it has your whole body involved, your feelings down to your toes, your experience. You have to bring the body in to change a belief. You can't just change word forms. You can't just change gestures and prepare by, you know, picking your body up and walking somewhere and hoping that will do the work for you. You have to bring in the experience of the belief you're having behind it to change it. And that includes the body. So now I want you, the last example is to squeeze your eyes shut. What does that mean when you squeeze your eyes shut? Does that mean anything? I want you to be aware that your eyes are shut. And also be aware that while you shut and squeeze your eyes closed, it means nothing. And at the same time, choose not to add any meaning to it. Don't label it. Don't even call it your eyes. Don't even say they're closed. Just experience that feeling of them being shut without words. Just observe your eyes close. 
in this moment, in this place, we're closer to truth because you're no longer the one with your eyes shut. You're now just the consciousness, the God level of creation watching the eyes be shut. It's not you with the shut eyes. It's you watching you with the shut eyes. There's no veil of meaning blocking you from being aligned with what's happening right now. In this moment, eyes are shut and I'm just watching. Space. Oh my God, I just felt this like expansiveness in myself. Um, Because when you're just watching what is, your mind shuts the fuck up. And it's kind of an exciting depth of awareness that switches you out of that fear of survival into a curiosity, a creativity, and an immense control over your experience. This is a place of alignment that's available to everyone at all times. The more you practice it, the better you get at it, the more control you have over your thoughts, over your feelings, your beliefs, your your bodily experience, how you show up, where you end up, right? You're, you're free to, to apply meaning as you choose. You're the ultimate authority on that. And this is an exciting place to be. So what I want to leave you with today are just my last thoughts. Word forms do not cause your feelings, right? Those sounds and symbols, they're not what make you feel what you feel. Expressions by you or, or by other bodies do not cause your feelings. The environment around you, which hap- what's happening in your reality does not cause your feelings. It doesn't have the power to do that. That's your subconscious mind that's doing that. And also your body, like your physical skin and bones is not what causes your feelings. The science of your thought form, all of these working parts together cause your feelings. And I would go so far as to not even call it a thought because that will confuse you with word forms. Your beliefs cause your feelings, which is a combination of word forms and your experience and your energy of that word form. Truth causes awareness. That's the next level. So beliefs cause feelings. Truth, alignment with reality causes awareness, which is the goal. I want you to experience awareness more often. Okay. The last thought I have, I did a bunch of examples, which I will do for... um, for a class I'm going to put together because those are visual and I can't really help you see what I'm doing over a podcast. So you know how in Star Wars they say, may the force be with you. I've always understood this on the deepest level, but I've never been able to verbalize it this well until now. And I'm so excited because it's something I've been wanting to scream from the top of the rooftops. Um, Because when they say, may the force be with you, that's a very real thing. The force is real. It's the science of a thought form has force. You can't see it, but it's real. So may the force be with you means may your thought forms be in alignment with truth, aka reality, aka what is, without too much distortion of meaningless meaning you're applying unconsciously, okay? So the force of your thoughts are the most powerful and influential when they're centered and aligned with reality, That's what I'm going to leave you with today, guys. So when I say thoughts cause feelings, it's so much more than that. And if you haven't 
really understood that before now. I hope this helped. If you have any questions, come jam out with me about this because this is my shit. And I love you guys. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening, buddy. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, you have to come check out my one-on-one coaching program. It's 24 weeks of me and you where I take all the guesswork out of your self-awareness journey. I'm just going to give you all the answers in one go. I guarantee you after these 24 weeks, you will feel like a completely different human, empowered, focused, motivated, in love with yourself and on fire for your life again. Go to alishaturnercoaching.com right now to book your free consult call and I'd love to have you join while spots last. I'll see you there.